0: Hi, everybody. Joel Mills here with the NFT Pro Fitness Club and Bam Bam Boxing Academy. So excited to have everybody here. Thanks for being here. Um, Man, watching that video just gets me juiced up, starts the goosebumps, gets me ready to get back in that ring. A couple things, guys. Joel Mills and uh, starting off with the uh, NFT Pro Fitness Club. Um, It's our online fitness program. We're five days a week. It's what I use to train my fighters when I go into the ring myself. Um, we might have some news coming up about me getting back in the ring at some point in the near future. Uh, but so excited to have you here for Ringside Banter, guys. This uh, this show is uh, basically going to be what, what, what boxing has meant to me throughout my life. Um, it's something I've dedicated my entire life to and... Um, been close to 30 years in the game now run through the amateur ranks and through the professional ranks as well as the promotional game the managerial game and uh the gym gym game so uh lots to talk about guys but uh but boxing's such a magical sport in the sense of um it's so much more than just in there fighting there's there's so much depth to the game uh from a mentality a psychological standpoint um conditioning wise uh what you can do for your body physically through the training, um, and just what uh, what the what the game means to me and what uh, are some of the lessons that I've seen learned in and out of the ring through the, uh, the years in the game. Um, love to introduce my co-host at this point, um, Mr. Tyrone Bush from Bush League Media. Um, one of my best buddies here. He's been a supporter of mine for a lot of years. We met uh, back. I was probably about 20 years old when we met, so just kicking off my professional career in Los Angeles. And uh, Tyrone, tell them a little about yourself. Thanks for having being on here with me.
1: Yeah, Joel, thank you. Obviously, thanks for um, having me here along for the ride with you, co-hosting with you. It's been a, a bit of a mission for us to get to the point of, of episode one of the show, kind of try to get grow your, your fitness company and, and grow this boxing show eventually where uh, we, we kind of got some dreams to build stuff pretty big. But um, myself, I'm... Uh, around the same age as Joel, a uh, bit of a, a business person. I worked in the oil field for, for a long time, kind of always wanted to do some some media stuff and, and met Joel, um, I guess a long time ago through uh, Ellis Mania. I grew up skateboarding and, and doing a lot of, um, you know, different skateboard stuff, growing up, little competitions, things of that. And obviously always enjoyed the skateboard scene, so kind of followed along with uh, some of the Ellis Mania stuff. And that's how me and Joel got to know each other. But um, yeah, for myself, just a bit of an entrepreneur, I, I do a lot of community stuff like Joel um, working on different projects and things like that. And I'm just uh, excited to be along for the ride, co-hosted. I guess I'm kind of the, the Joe in in the pro and the Joe situation here. I've, I've, you know, trained some boxing or, work out, do a lot of your workouts, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the show. That They've been uh, something I, I really appreciate doing uh, at home, in the home gym and stuff here. But uh, just excited to, uh, you know, learn from you and, and, and have some fun with this and contribute, uh, I guess, what uh, comedic input I, I, I can to all this. But I'm looking forward to seeing where it all goes with, for
0: us here. Absolutely, man. No, it's uh, it's awesome to have you here. And uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the uh, the world of boxing and the stories, that's one of the most amazing things that uh, that I like to look back on over the last uh, 30 years is uh, the stories that have come out of it. Right. Uh, One thing when I when I set out on my path in boxing is uh, I knew that I just I wanted to uh, have a story to tell at the end of it. And uh, it's been it's been quite the ride. Um, Starting boxing, I'll start at the beginning of my career. So uh, at uh, six years old, Uh, I remember my parents took me to the boxing gym for the very first time, and it was the Lethbridge Boxing Club run under uh, the coaching of Kayip. Kayip was a legend uh, in Southern Alberta uh, in the Canadian Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, One tough, tough dude. Trained his fighters tough.
1: Big Arlito brought you down there, I assume. I'm I'm sure we'll have him on in a future episode, but obviously your old man is a good buddy of mine too.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, So when when they finally took me to the boxing club at six years old um that was precluded by at least a couple years that i can recall of me begging to box uh it was it was like it was something that was born into me my family uh never had a boxing background there was never any competitors you know i didn't have a, a grandfather to look up to or what have you and uh at the moment uh when I was that age, Tabor didn't even have a a functioning boxing club. So uh, we had to do a half hour drive to and from Lethbridge uh, two days a week. And uh, God bless my parents for making that drive with me for 10 years, because uh, it was something that I I just, I had to do. Um, I knew from uh, the moment that I walked into that gym, that uh, that was something that I had to do was compete in the boxing ring and uh, I was actually sent home at six years old, so uh, we went in, uh, talked to Kai, I actually got punched in the nose for the very first time, um, but he let me train one day and he said, don't no, come back when you're eight, uh, you're going to have to wait a couple of years, you're too young. So uh, I spent a couple of years uh, waiting and waiting and waiting, finally got to go to the gym at eight, um, trained a couple months, had my first fight at nine, and uh, have done I have done it ever since. It's been it's been my entire life. Um, I was gonna I say spent, you have
1: what a a little over a hundred hundred amateur fights if if I recall, like a hundred hundred and eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: hundred and eight amateur fights, thirteen professional was what uh, I ended my career at. Um, and, hey, she uh, ain't over yeah.
1: yet, baby.
0: She ain't she over, yet. Yeah, over there's, yet. There's time left and uh, yeah, we got some big things on the go. So We're going to have some some good stuff coming up as far as promotions and, yeah, potentially me getting back in the ring. Um, But, yeah, I had 108 amateur fights. Uh, I was able to achieve two national titles uh, before getting picked up by Freddie Roach and Justin Fortune at the Wildcard Boxing Club. Um, At 18 years old, I moved down to L.A. to start my pro career. Uh, Spent seven years in Los Angeles sharpening my teeth and uh, having 10 professional fights down there. Um, and that's how I, uh, eventually met, uh, Jason Ellis was, uh, through the gym. Jason came in and, uh, he was going to fight in a celebrity boxing match. Uh, this was pre Ellis manias. So, um, his very first fight and what it was, it was a celebrity amateur boxing card where, uh, certain celebrities would fight either a, a registered amateur boxer or another celebrity. Um, so there was a few guys that, that went that night and, uh, and Jason was in this match. He was fighting a legit amateur boxer in Vegas. And uh, he came into the gym. He needed some sparring. What led him into the gym was uh, Jason Mayhem Miller and Rio Chonin, who were uh, regulars <laughs> on his show. Um, yeah, and uh, we trained Mayhem and we trained Chonin uh, at the gym. Uh, great guys. Beauty, beauty people. Uh, but, yeah, they ended up bringing Ellis in and uh ellis needed a sparring partner and and one thing that i got really really good at uh when i was in la was was being being a guy who could work with with uh with anybody trying to enhance their skills whether uh they're amateur professional uh or needing to get their professional card um so justin decided that i was going to be ellis's sparring partner um and we we trained for eight weeks together uh, sparring three times a week. Me and Ellis probably did, you know, 40 to 60 rounds over the course of that time. And uh, what a what a tough guy, man. I got to give it to him uh, to jump into the sport at the age he was at and to uh, give it all he's got and go as far as he did. Uh, very, very impressive. Um, and uh, he has, one thing about Ellis is he has really heavy hands. That's one thing we notice. Um
1: well, one thing that's cool, like listening to, the, to those stories and stuff is like, I think one of the coolest parts about like some of how me and you intersect is that like, you know, say, say like that, that fight you talk about, obviously didn't know you had, had never met Ellis yet then. But like I was, I, I would have been listening to the radio show on, on the way home from the rig and like knew about the fight, followed the fight, watched the fight. So it's like cool to be here. I mean, I might have been 19, 20, 21 at the time. So like 15 years later, hearing a story and like a buddies of the guy who was training the dude who I was following for the fight. So that's pretty, pretty interesting, right? Because like, obviously I followed Ellis's career pretty close uh, through, through everything because he was a big DC guy for skateboarding and, and me being a big skateboarding guy and, and then just him having the big show on Sirius XM, right? That was kind of like what me and the boys listened to on the way home, right? And so we, we were always... You know, we were all about the skateboard and about the fighting, about all that stuff back in the day, right? So I was always super intrigued by it. So it's cool to know that you were the one uh, traded him for that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, when when I met Jason Ellis, it, uh, it it changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, you know, mainly uh, the things that I got to experience and do with them. You know, raffing the Ellis manias from um, you know number, I think it was number two to number. 19 or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, just uh, amazing stories. Every one of those Ellis Manias we walked away with uh with some crazy oh, I got I got
1: some uh, some pictures and stuff from back in the day. I'll keep I'll pull them up if you want to check a few out. I got a, a couple from uh way back I took them like obviously back from like before me and you probably really do each other. Right. But, uh, just like, I think, uh, one of the like mascot fights there, but it's just trippy that like I have uh, these old pictures of you like in the ring, like Joe Bill, uh, you know, ref the whole thing. Right. And it's like, who knows? Do, I, I don't know what number these are from. I just went through and like grabbed some different ones, but I mean, I think I was in like Ellismania five, four or five, all the way to like the end. Right. Basically maybe the last few, I wasn't at, but just, uh, Cool to have some of the different pictures from like from back then. Um, there's some cool different ones. I think like with you in the ring with Shane Carwin, and just um, cool to have some different stuff. One where uh, meeting Dingo and, and some other fellas at the thing there. Hot Dog, who was on the show at the time, that I uh, yeah. became pretty good buddies with. And, and obviously, Hot, the Hot Dog was that.
0: in in one of the most uh, legendary fights of uh, Ellismania history. The, yeah, uh, no,
1: that was awesome. Me and Hot Dog have became pretty good buddies too. We'll have to get him on the show one day, or, or maybe even Ellis. But as I say, that's the first time I got I got the closest to, to Tony was was at one of those events, right? Like obviously as a as a guy growing up, skateboard. I'm like, oh, that's so legendary, right? But
0: uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, you know the the Ellis Mania. Uh, the as we ran the gambit from one to to twenty, uh, it, it grew into something that was just. Really, really amazing to watch and really amazing to be a part of because uh, nobody will ever do uh, an Ellis mania again. I mean, only Ellis manias were Ellis manias Uh, and uh, what they, what they were, was, uh, they were a comedy boxing event, but they would, they would be real fights. They would pit real, real fighters, guys that really wanted to get in there and try uh, to, um, to test their skills uh they would get to get in the ring in front of a a roaring crowd um in las vegas at the hard rock uh and it was it was something special but then along with these fights we had things like uh the the musical chairs fight the pinata fights the the blindfold the dog collar match um the dan the uh dan Severn fight like there was just so many that, uh, that I well, think back on.
1: Yeah, like I, I love going to, right? Because there's, there's always UFC people. There's always always famous people there. And I, I always thought about like going and being one of the fans who, who fought or whatever. I never did. So hopefully maybe it'll come full circle, me and you or do it. But I, 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 was, I was kind of thinking there, like it, you say, it'll never happen again. But one thing I've really been thinking is that uh, one thing I think we could do. Maybe we'll we'll chat with Ellis one day, but I think we could bring something like that back too, right? Especially with some of the stuff that I'm working on through, uh, like, the the membership stuff that we'll get into later on, but some of that stuff with different communities, different projects, different boxing groups, I think it would be cool if we could create our, our own events like that and bring people together, have fun, different fights, have some actual professional ones some amateur ones and some of those fun ones where you make some content and kind of can, well, like like what we're trying to do now right we're getting a little older the the glory days might be behind us so we thought but let like we want to do something fun and, and do content that's something that i think it we, we're both kind of characters you especially and, and i think that'll be something we can uh, we can explore one day right is, is not only doing the Amateur boxing events that you do. Obviously, you train a, a lot of young fighters and and, and different people um, in your community and stuff. Plus, all the people that, that do the training online. But it's uh, really cool to see, you know, where you're at now in life with training everybody um, nowadays and stuff. And it, it's just cool to uh, to have it all all come full circle like that, back from from Ellis Media to here. But but obviously. Um, Aside from Bellas Media, like like before we get into where you're at now, uh, you you obviously had a a, a lengthy bit of time in L.A. down there, Um, I I guess – if you want to tell us about how you got to that point, like how you got down to LA um, after kind of going through a, a bit of the stuff in Blackbridge and stuff like that, would be cool to hear a little bit about that. And down the road, I, I'm sure we'll get into those stories like really specifically and maybe have guests on and chat about it. But I think it'd be cool for the people to know just like a, a, a little bit more about you, not so much just how me and you met, but you, you know, everything you did down there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, the story that, uh, that was weaved was, was a pretty neat one. Um, so I boxed in Lethbridge uh, at the Lethbridge Boxing Club for uh, eight years uh, from when I was eight to when I was 16. Uh, and I, I probably had about 70 to 80 fights under Kai, won my first national title under Kai. Um, and the Lethbridge Boxing Club was one of these places. Uh, it was in the basement of a community center um, and uh, one thing about this club was Kai trained the kids tough. He was super old school. Uh, we sparred twice a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays. So every night in the gym, we'd be sparring. Um, and it wasn't sparring easy. Some of my hardest, hardest matches were, were in that gym. Some of the hardest punches I ever took were in that gym. Um, but that's, that's what Kai offered to the boxing world. He offered tough kids. If, if you couldn't hang with the gym, then uh, he... He was under the impression that uh, that you wouldn't be able to hang in the ring, and, and most times uh, that rings true. There is uh, certain occasions where a guy comes into the gym and, and he's timid in the gym, and he and he doesn't doesn't perform real well in the gym, and then he gets under those lights, and something something comes out of him, and that's again one of the one of the magical things of boxing is every time you step into that ring, you discover something about yourself that you didn't know before, and you walk out of there. Uh, a more revi- refined version of yourself, whether, whether you win, whether you lose, whether you just go in and train um, it's, it's, it's a school for life. My, my mentor, Justin fortune, uh, he was my professional coach. Uh, and that's what he always used to say. Boxing is is the best school for life because um, you got to get hit and, and keep going just like Rocky says. Um, but yeah, I had 80 amateur fights with Kai won my first national title uh, at that point in uh, my career. Uh, it was time for me to to move move on to a little more competition to refine my skills. So I moved up to Edmonton. Uh, but the year before I moved up to Edmonton, when I was still with Kai, uh, I was invited to a tournament in Kansas City. It was the Kansas City National Championships at that time. Uh, the next year it turned into the Kansas City World Championships. Uh, but it's the biggest amateur boxing tournament uh, in the world, open to all fighters globally. Um, and a lot of countries would send the team to represent. Um, so I think the first time I fought in the uh, Kansas City uh, National Championships, there was about 40 countries represented. Um, there were some guys that went on to do amazing things in the mm-hmm. professional uh, ranks. Uh, one was Gennady Golovkin, uh, who became arguably the, the top pound-for-pound fighter for uh, two, three years, and... Um, Daniel Jacobs, who fought Gennady Golovkin, who I fought at this tournament, but uh, I went down to Kansas City. I got invited down. Just won my first national title. Was was uh, very unknown on the world scale. That's one thing about Canadians in the fighting world is uh, when it comes to uh, the world scale, Canada isn't really considered a threat. Um, you know, we we have tough fighters up here. We have very talented guys up here, and. Obviously guys come out of the country that, that do make it all the way and can hang on the world level. But for the most part, uh, once we get to the international level of competing, um, we're kind of in, in over our heads a little bit. Um, so, so Joel uh,
1: Mills came to, Joel came to put Canada on the map and big Kansas city. Then
0: I did, man, you know uh, it was, there's been times in my life where magic has happened in the ring uh and this was one of those times i uh i i drew a guy from the dominican republic in my first fight and his name was fernando guerrero um and i knew nothing about him uh nobody down there knew anything about me um and uh so i here we go right uh but little did i know that fernando guerrero was also a us champion Uh, and he lived in baltimore maryland and uh, he was representing the dominican republic uh, at the tournament uh, because daniel jacobs who was the world champion at the time uh, was representing the us um so off we went and we uh we had our our fight and uh, round one started and uh, he was a southpaw and southpaws are always difficult to deal with and he was he was very talented much he was more talented than i was um you know again coming from Canada I was a big fish in a small pond and then you get onto that international level and it's just it's and, a different and you
1: were how old were you at the time um, so, so I was I was young, 16 actually. at this time 16 yeah okay as I yeah. say you were still 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 a pup yet
0: still a we, pup we think, yeah
1: we think we were men back then but we're, we're still pups so that's for that I think I think about
0: it all the time how when I was you know 16 17 18 years old I think I, I'm a man now I'm a
1: man like you don't <laughs> even know
0: what you're doing at that age um, but, yeah, so I fought him, fought him in round one, um, and he took round one. He, he took it to me pretty good. Um, so I remember going back to the corner after that first round and thinking to myself, like, you can't you can't do this. You're not going out in your first fight. Because then I'd have to sit there and just watch everybody else compete. Like, no, no, I, I ain't going out like this. Um, but at the same breath, I, I didn't have the talent to beat this guy. Um, he was He was a talented fighter. Um, so I go out there for round two and, uh, away we go and we're scrapping away. And he, I remember he hits me low. He hits me with this, uh, this shot that was just under the belt. And I remember I was on the ropes, bad place to be. And I leaned back over the ropes and he was a southpaw. So he had that right foot forward and he tried cutting and slipping under my hook that I threw. And I just turned off the ropes of this left hook, just pivoted into it, turned my foot. And it just happened to... Be right place, right time, perfect shot. Nice. Um, and awesome. I starched the guy. Good night. So, and I never, I never knocked a guy out cold in the ring. Uh, in the amateur boxing, it's it's really hard to knock a guy out cold. Usually you, you'll get the stoppage from the referee or what have you. But because of the headgear and the foamy, bigger gloves, uh, it's, like I say, I, I never KO'd somebody out cold like that in the amateur boxing ring. and And I never did again after that um so you
1: think you think you just came in with maybe a a little extra pep in your step for uh, that, that first one or you're like I, I just everything you had all in it all nerves all everything a little extra i i honestly, there maybe
0: i honestly tyrone uh believe that it was destiny like i i really believe that um you know there's been certain times in my life where uh in the boxing ring especially um like I say, magic happens. And, and this was one of those times. So uh, I go back to the corner and I remember I was so juiced up cause I knocked him down. And in my mind, I just even the score of the fight with the knockdown, not, not thinking that I'd KO'd him thinking the fight was going to continue on. So back to the corner, I go and I'm so amped up. I'm slamming my gloves together eh? and probably foaming at the mouth like a dog. <laughs> like I was juiced. So, uh, I didn't realize uh, when it happened that the entire crowd had gone dead silent. Like you could have heard a pin drop in this place. And uh, the reason the crowd had gone silent is because I just KO'd Fernando Guerrero, me not knowing that he was, he was somebody um, and he was, he was iced. Um, and I recall uh, me in the corner banging my gloves together and one guy stands up out of the crowd and it's my dad. I and mean, he, he stands up and he goes, Joel, it's over, relax, it's over, right? And I could hear him clear as day because nobody else is making any noise. So I chill out, realize that I just KO'd this guy. Well, because it's the biggest amateur boxing tournament in the world, I also didn't realize that uh, every promoter, every manager, every scout, everybody who is in the boxing game was there scouting for talent?
1: That's like that's um, the moment, right? Like everybody,
0: that,
1: everybody sees you on the stage, kind of thing, right? Like obviously that, that, I never went through boxing or, or anything like that, but to, you know, just that's the moment. Like the scouts are there, right?
0: That single punch changed my life. It changed that's my life awesome. in a huge, huge way. So I get out of the ring, and uh, I, I'm 16, so I can't really handle business on my own. But I remember getting out of the ring and. Everybody at this tournament was talking about that knockout. And everybody at the tournament was trying to get my contacts. We were getting contacts from, like, gyms in Philly, gyms in Vegas, gyms in New York. You know, we want to want to take a look at your kids, send them out. And, and me and my dad are just like, man, I'm a small-town kid from Tabor. This is crazy, right? So uh, the next day, I fight again, and I draw this kid from Texas. And uh, it was the only time in my life a kid ever took a dive on uh, so because I KO'd Fernando Guerrero, uh, it started getting around this tournament. Like, who's this, who's this kid from Canada? A lot of people actually thought I was Russian. So I like, I'd be walking around the crowd and I'd hear people say like, did you see that Russian who KO'd Fernando Guerrero? Because again, I can see how kid. you
1: could be like taken as a little Russian, maybe just a jacked up little dude. Like, all know, yeah. yeah. And, and
0: facing it. Canadian boxers, they just don't have the reputation like a Russian boxer. If you fight a Russian boxer on an international level, you know you're in deep. Uh, the Russians are some of the best fighters. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember just yeah, hearing whispers and stuff. So then, uh, next day, I draw this kid from Texas, and uh, we're fighting away. And I remember uh, you could tell right away he was he was scared um, and. Hundred percent because I would do what I did to Fernando. I remember my cornerman after I came back to the ring uh, after round one uh, in that fight, and I remember my cornerman playing his day, not really giving me any guidance from a technical standpoint. But I remember him looking me in the eye and saying, "You have his balls. Don't give them back." <laughs> um, so out I went. But the fear two. got into him instantly. It, right exactly, here. and and sure enough, it was there because. I threw a hook and I missed this kid by a couple inches and he just, he laid down. Right. And he didn't get back up. So now all of a sudden it's two knockouts, right? Uh, I knocked out Fernando Guerrero. I knocked out this kid. Well, now everybody at the tournament's like, who is this guy? Right. Like we, we got to figure this out. Um, (laughs) And again, it was just, it was a magical weekend. And that's why I really honestly feel that it was destiny uh, because it was a weekend that I could never recreate. Um, so then the next day, a semifinal match, I draw this kid named Fitzpatrick uh, from Ireland, um, and uh, we have a we have a really good match. He's a tough, tough guy, uh, and I remember I ended up knocking him out with a triple right uppercut. And uh, so, so the plot thickens again. Um, has no, never
1: lock. ended KO after KO. Eh? Just like, yeah, like the time of your life, almost.
0: Eh? It was it was amazing. So so yeah, I, uh, I fight this guy, and you know, in boxing, I'm a right-handed fighter. My right hand is back, and so if you crush a guy with a right hand, and and you kind of shake him up a bit, lots of times there will be time to reload another one. But a triple yeah. right hand is kind of unheard of, right? Um, and I end up KO and this guy with a triple right uppercut. And again, it's funny because when you remember these things, you remember what was going through your mind and, and the mental processes of it. But in the boxing ring, things are moving so fast that you don't really, it's almost like those thoughts are just whispers, right? Like they just, they instinctually whisper to you and you listen to those whispers. So you're not really knowing what you're doing, but your body is speaking, right? Um, so I remember I got this kid on the ropes and I seen I had a spot to land this uppercut. So whop, bang, I load one up and I catch him with it. Right. And I think, okay, I'm going to reset. So when you're resetting a right hand, most times you're just trying to like place that weight on your back foot, but I was throwing uppercuts at the time. So I kind of almost leaped back, boom, reloaded another one into another uppercut. So I, uh, I circled it bang, I caught him again. And now I could tell he was real dummied. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm doing one more. And yep, sure enough, boom, third uppercut. He's on the ropes, kind of like laying on the ropes, ref waves the fight. Well, now all of a sudden, I'm three knockouts deep in the tourney. Uh, I just KO'd a guy with a triple right uppercut. And on to the final I go. And in the final, I end up drawing this kid from Brooklyn, New York, who was the, uh, the champion at the time, uh, and his name was Danny Jacobs. And uh, Danny Jacobs was like one of the most highly respected uh, amateur prospects in the country, in the world. I mean, this kid was, he was something special. Um, he went on to have a, an amazing professional career. But I remember, so I drew him in the final and he was one of those kids that everybody was watching again. So now all of a sudden, on the day of the finals, we were the ring to watch. Like Joel Mills versus Danny Jacobs was the the fight everybody was looking
1: for. And towards. I assume there was like probably obviously final days, so different weight classes, like quite a few different finals going on. um I I presume like you, yeah, you're were the only obviously the only final in your weight class. Just so yeah, exactly. Yep. There was like a whole tournament of like every weight class probably around the planet in there every weight class, finals. every
0: age category. Yep. So at the, at the tournament there was four different rings that would go all at the same time. And each one of these rings had a different bell. Uh, and later in the tournament it would expand to six rings. So at any moment there were six rings going and and even during the finals, because you know, we had youth open, uh, youth novice, uh, intermediate open, intermediate novice, female fighters, um, senior fighters under 19. Right. So there was still, yeah, fights going everywhere, but on that card, uh, we were, we were the one people wanted to see. And, uh, I remember fighting Danny Jacobs that day and, uh, he beat me, he beat me, he beat me good. He put a whooping on me, but he was so much more talented than I was. And, and, uh, he was just trying to stay away from my power. So I was trying to trade with him. Uh, he wouldn't trade with me. And, and I just, didn't have the skill to outbox him at that point in my career. Um, so he beats me. I end up getting a silver medal at the match. And uh back to Canada we go. And uh it's the homecoming weekend in my hometown Corn Cornfest is the name of it. And uh Cornfest, a- baby. Yeah, Cornfest. Come for the corn, stay for the fun, cornfest. <laughs> so uh so uh, home I am, and I'm, I'm partying, having a good time. And uh, Mike Kahn's was his name. He was a, a former Tabor guy who had moved to Los Angeles and had made his way into the boxing game. And, and one of his nephews was a friend of mine. And his nephew was at a barbecue with Mike, who's in town, and telling him about me. And uh, Mike said, I want to look at some video of this kid. So uh, we took Mike to my house. Uh, we showed him some video. And Mike had been involved with Freddie Roach at the wildcard Boxing Gym uh, and Manny Pacquiao, um, so you know I I, I thought nothing was going to come of this. Uh, I was under the assumption that uh, that it was a magic weekend, but I would continue on my path towards the Olympics. And uh, I get a call from Mike, and he says that uh, Freddie and Justin want to take a look at me. He wants to invite me down to a Pacquiao training camp for a week down in L.A. Um, and my head just about explodes uh because the cinderella story is now is now coming true eh? and
1: well um, and, and and i guess a question i would have maybe some others would have like right now here we are in, in 2023 obviously everybody on the planet knows manny pacquiao right um, huge huge deal What one, one of the best boxers in the planet for myself who maybe didn't follow boxing as closely 20 years ago like is. He's, was he that, he was that big of a deal back then? Like, obviously Tyson and those guys are still in the game, but is Manny pretty huge? Like, is you that know, like still a thing where you're like just as wild as it would be today?
0: No, no. I mean, he was huge. Uh, and, you know, the, the bigger the bigger part of that equation uh, wasn't Manny Pacquiao at the time. It was, it was Freddie and Justin. Um, Freddie and Justin at the time, uh, they were the most sought after team of trainers on the planet, uh, they had done a stretch of like six years or something, something crazy, where they didn't have a loss with a fighter together. Uh, they trained crazy. seven, eight world champions at the time, um, which is which is why I've, I found it so amazing and so crazy. And again, I think destiny was at play when uh, when they accepted me and they they said that they would take me on under under a professional contract because there were guys that were. Way ahead of me. There were guys that were way above my level that, uh, that they were turning away at the time because they were too busy. But, uh, but no, they were to to I, take I got a shot. couple of
1: pictures. I, I think I got a couple of pictures from back then. I'll, I'll pop them up and we'll see uh, see if they, they bring up any, uh, any memories for you. But there's a couple. Oh, yeah. A couple old so them. That, where, where, Where's that one at?
0: That's, that's the ab work at, uh, at the wild card. So that's uh, Pacquiao and Pacquiao's training group there um and one thing that uh my coach Justin fortune is is known for uh is his ability to work the abs uh and he used to have some of the nastiest ab work around i mean we used to just moan and groan as we were doing it and just hurt um but yeah that was at the wild card boxing club um there me and manny are uh shadow boxing in the ring at the wild card um and, uh, and yeah, we beat, we became is that, around the,
1: that around the same era. Like this is from, for, this is all from around then back. In this back is the this,
0: this is that same trip. So this is nice, that, nice. This, this picture is from that same trip that me and my dad took our very first week down there. Um, oh, but I can't wait to
1: get your old dad on the show. It's going to be some, some hilarious, uh, some, so oh, we get him in there for sure.
0: Yeah. Earl has been, uh, he's been my, my, my guy from day one and, um, He's been my motivation in the sport. And, yeah, we've had some awesome, crazy experiences through it all. Um, there's me and Justin Fortune, who, yeah, was through the professional ranks. Um, Justin Fortune is my mentor through and through. He showed me the ropes, taught me taught me everything I needed to know to survive the crazy world of professional boxing in L.A.
1: I know you've told me a, a, a lot of stories over the years, of you know, all your times back then, and i have always uh, – just, you know, uh, honored to hear about it. It's cool, just the, all the amazing people that you've got to interact with and hang out with. The, you know, when I was just a, a little fella running around, riding around my skateboard, hanging out, doing dumb stuff, you were out, out living this uh, pretty legendary life. You're just looking like a pup in that picture. It's, it's awesome to look sort of back and see some of that.
0: Yeah, it was funny. And, and you know, Justin at that time, Uh, Justin had just got done competing as a a professional heavyweight. Um, He was a high level professional heavyweight, fought at uh, many international tournaments, fought Lennox Lewis. Um, The guy's a legend, but Justin was probably the biggest, toughest, meanest man I've ever come across in my life. I mean, that guy was hard as a nail at that point. Um, And I was just a snot-nosed kid from Canada, um trying to like you know be down there and and make my way and uh me and justin connected like we became like the odd couple um everything we did we did together uh and and people would even say like hey like what's the deal with you and the canadian kid like why but he he took me under his wing and that's awesome yeah he 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 changed my entire life without justin fortune um there's no way my life would have went the way it it has gone um, but yeah, it, it was it was very, very funny the way we connected because we were very opposite people. Um, but we 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 uh, accommodated dated each other well. Nice. This looks like it's around
1: the same area. Dude, some push-ups look like they have Manny uh, there, the little picture yep. you had up yep. on the wall, so- a picture of it.
0: Yeah, Manny's walking around there as we're doing planks. And, yeah, Justin used to make us do planks. And then he'd come around and he'd kick us in the guts. So I think that's probably <laughs> what Manny's doing is kicking us in the guts there. Uh,
1: <laughs> he, he was the whipped boy back then, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he was. So, yeah, when I met Manny, he was. Oh, there's, I, a cool, there's a cool one. Oh, yeah. Amazing chess player. Manny beat me every time we played. Um, yeah, so that was at the Vagabond Inn, which was just beside wildcard boxing club and at, at that moment that's that's where Manny would stay when he'd come do his training camps was the vagabond um nice. but yeah Manny was I believe he was 122 maybe 128 pound champion when when I met him and uh what you know when I met Manny he he was sitting on top of the world uh he was a world champion uh he had he had fought uh in some amazing fights uh on his way up but, but being that small um, you don't get the same amount of attention as you do when you know you're a middleweight or a, a welterweight or a light heavyweight. Um, so nobody, nobody would have ever assumed Manny would have done what he did in the boxing game at that point. Um, there'll never be another Manny Pacquiao. Uh, you could, you could make the argument, uh, and and it's a very good argument that Manny Pacquiao could be the best fighter that ever lived. Um, He's spanned the most weight divisions. He sat at the top of the boxing world for two straight decades. I mean, any sport you look at—you look at tennis, you look at baseball, you look at hockey, you look at this, you look at that. I mean, maybe the Gretzky, maybe, maybe the you know the, the Deion Sanders maybe like
1: the Tom the Tom Brady or something or Tiger or something right yeah like, like it, it, it,
0: Tom Brady would be would be a a guy who you could you could well, and that's for. why
1: I asked the question earlier like you know how how legendary was he you know 20 years ago right cuz you look at it now and you're like oh like it's crazy to see where he, where he is and it's cool to just like to know that, you know, one of my, my good buddies now has had that experience back in the day. That's so awesome to just be able to even just hearing the stories. I'm like, man, that's so cool. And, and it's like not that it brings back a memory of me being in any of those situations, but it brings back memories of stuff that like I would have been watching some of that stuff back in the day. And it's just really cool to, to know that s- someone from just a few hours away up here in Canada was living alongside it all. That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was crazy, man. And, and um, yeah, so, so uh, I I go down there for a week for Manny's training camp and the way we start the day is we run in the morning. So 6am runs every morning. Um, And that was, that was one thing that was really tough because Manny liked to run fast and he likes to run with people that can push him, And later on, I, I learned that that was the reason that uh pacquiao wanted me as part of his camp and the reason why i got the offer wasn't wasn't necessarily because of my boxing ability but because of my ability to keep up with him while we were running um so i remember on the first day we wake up for our 6 a.m run and i'm jogging away and manny's going fast and uh and i let manny i let manny take off and i get lost i i can't figure out where i'm at this is the first time we've run in la but i could still see him way ahead of me right so I finally, I, I speed it up and I catch him. So we get to the end of the run and I'm like, I'm dead. I I, I never caught him, but he, I saw where he stopped. I was able to keep him in vision for where we stopped. So I realized that next day that like, I need to keep up with him or I'm going to get lost down here. So uh, <laughs> the next day we wake up. You're, I, you're I, just the the trading
1: partner, the, the best motivation he had. But that, I mean, that's always been one of your, I mean, even to this day, it, it, it's like, you're just a giver man you just don't stop right so that's yeah. probably like you you might have pushed him to be where he is now uh maybe maybe we'll get him on the show one day and we'll be able to ask him but like I just yeah well your tenacity is wild and and we'll get into even recording that boxing show a little bit after but like I was just like holy shit That oh, how's this guy that keep was going?
0: freaking hard yeah you know <laughs> and I just I, I remember you know I just I, I had honed in that ability in my head to to just make the decision that you know uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'll die out here. Right. Like I literally, I made the decision that next morning that like, I'm going to keep up with Manny Pacquiao or they're going to carry me out of this place in a casket because I'm going to make this happen. And it I was like it. some I of the that. hardest things that I ever had to do. But so, uh, I started keeping up with them on the runs. Then we'd kind of test each other. One would go faster. One would go faster. He liked to mix in like sprints here and there. Um, and I'd stick with them. And then, um, they tested me out sparring a couple times so they wanted to see what i was made of and they put me in there against some tough guys and i remember i took some lickings down there that first (laughs) that first go around because you know i didn't i really didn't have a ton of skill i i had made it to where i had made it on, on just uh pure physicality and will um but as far as the actual art of boxing i i didn't learn any of that until i i had gone pro until i was well into my pro career
1: When it, it reminds me of like it, not of boxing but just like when i was around that age like starting on the rings obviously i'm I, I went through the oil field stuff like just a small guy tiniest guy out there like no business being out there and just pure like will i did nobody like same thing. probably getting beat up at the end of the day at work and just coming back the next day and these guys are like why and after a little bit they're like this guy's He's insane. We're keeping him around. You know yep. what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I've always thought we've had that same like, drive in us, Like even if it's different paths or different worlds, like uh, that tenacity to just like, let's not quit, yep. right? Like, especially here we are a year and a half later, we're finally uh, recording a show where like we got something that maybe functions and, and might actually pull this off. I've, not many people would have put, gone through the year and a half we did to, to get to this point of like, being neanderthals like we are and then now try to build a media company in our old age going like we gotta adapt and move forward and build a platform for you and the next generation of boxers and fighters and, and just like evolve right but it's a tenacity to, to get through it. Uh, yeah, not man, to it yeah man not to derail from the boxing story but just like well no that, cool that's, to see that perseverance
0: and that's why yeah boxing is it's a school for life because like um You know, so many cliches. I always think back on like the cliches that you hear through boxing and about fighting. Like it's not the size of the dog and the the fight; it's the size of the fight and the dog. Things like that. But the reason those are like your logo,
1: we got the dog logo. Exactly. There we go. There we
0: go. Yeah, you ought to see the other guy. That's my logo because that's that's what you got. You got to live and die by that sword when when you're in the boxing game. Is you know, you ought to see the other guy. Don't, who cares what happens to me? I'll be, I'll be fine. Right. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so many of them cliches come true and you, and you realize that there's truth to them and uh, you realize those things in the boxing ring because, because you have to, you out of necessity, you have to mm-hmm. learn those lessons. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, they tested me a few times in sparring and, and yeah, I, I took some lickings down there. Um, Funny story, and I, I've talked about this on Story Time before, but um, I was the guy to bleed on two consecutive canvases at the Wild Card Boxing Club, um, the first guy to bleed on it. So uh, that very first trip where we had them pitchers, uh, one of the first things we did, we went to the Wild Card, and uh, they were rebuilding the ring at the time. So uh, they were re-canvassing it, um, fixing it up, nice brand new canvas. And I went into the gym the next day and I got in one of these sparring sessions and I got busted up and I bled all over that canvas. And um, and after getting out of the ring, people were like, oh, Mills is the first bleed on the canvas. You christened the canvas. Right. And it's uh, it's one of those things that are like it's a boxing kind of I don't know if you'd call it an honor, but uh, but you christen the canvas is what they it's like call
1: it, a, like a ring of passage. Like you, you, own it uh, almost, right? Your blood's exactly, the first yep. to spill, so, right?
0: So my my blood was the first to spill on that thing, and and yeah, this goes to show you how much I bled on that ring. Um, they probably change that canvas, you know, once every three years. You know, after about three years, there's just been too much blood, too much muck, too much, and the next time they change the canvas. I was the first to bleed on it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: hilarious. It's, a, yep. it's either a, it's either a testament of like uh, just some luck and timing, or just you're always bleeding, or you're always in there fighting dude. a little bit of everything. Yep. Uh, well, and that's one
0: thing. One thing I decided when I when I moved down to LA, and when I went down for this trip, is you know at the very least I'm gonna make them remember who I am, right? Um, I'm gonna make them uh, remember what I was all about, and and show my character. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's what ultimately got me the offer with Freddie and Justin. Uh, I remember I got done that week of training, um, and my plan was, was to go back and try to compete in the 2004 Athens games. Um, nice. and, uh, I was rated the, I was rate 18, uh, for the Athens game. So I was young, but I, I had a chance to get there. Um, and I remember we go out to Denny's, me, Freddie and Justin, my dad, Mike Cons. We go to Denny's um, and yeah, in my mind, I was expecting them to kind of just give me some guidance to where they thought I should go with my career. Should I go for the Olympics? Should I try to go pro? What's, what's the deal? Um, and we sat down and uh, and Freddie and Justin said, when you're ready to go pro, we'll take you on. And, and then again, like my head just exploded. Like, are you kidding me? I just got this opportunity. Like, um, it's huge, I, I felt- right? Like it's like, yeah. What, Why? Was there a
1: moment where you, was there a moment where you're like, like, I guess if you go pro, um, you can't, you can't follow the Olympics. Is that, or, or yeah. not really, or how's that work out?
0: So that rule has gone back and forth uh, a few times. At the moment, professional boxers are now allowed to compete. But at that Which moment, you sh- would
1: think should be who could go is the pros, right? But- yeah,
0: yeah. At that moment, though, you had to be an amateur. So that was really gotcha. the only reason for a high level uh, level amateur guy to stay amateur would be to get to the Olympics, and then after the Olympics. That's when you get scouted out by a team like Freddie and Justin. I mean, the fact that I got uh, an offer uh, from those guys, it was like, I skipped that step. I skipped the Olympics and I still got the offer from the big name trainers. Um, So uh, I go back home and it was, it was just amazing because I had now won a national title. So I was Canadian champion. I had, I done that, a crazy, ridiculous weekend in Kansas City, which got me a ton of uh, notoriety in the boxing world, uh, and now I just got offered contracts uh, with Pacquiao and Justin and Freddie Roach. Um, so That's I come back crazy. to little Canada, and uh, and everywhere I went, whether it was East Coast, West Coast, uh, middle of Canada, you know, people would come up to me like, "Hey, you're that guy who got offered the contract by Pacquiao, right?" and and for the next two years, cool. from 16 till when I was 18, I won most of those fights on reputation alone. Um, same thing that happened in Kansas City. I, I mean, I would go into the ring, and people would be already scared, scared themselves because they were in the ring with me, right? So, um, yeah, I had a, a an amazing last. I know time. that's a.
1: I know that's how I'm going to feel is if we if we get going through the show and uh, like we were talking to one day uh, get some friendly competitions going real and I might have to get the rigged box here and we'll send you that half pipe on the skateboard. I'm going to be like, Oh, my fuck. I'm done.
0: Excuse me. Oh, name. man. Yeah, I know you then I'll feel the same way going down that half pipe ramp. But hey, we're the kind of guys that'll show up. We'll do it. Yeah, uh, well, that's awesome. But, no, uh, that, that's
1: cool. And, uh, I'm really excited too to, you know, as we go through the show, um, you know, bring, bring it up some of those times and really breaking down some of those, like getting into Canvas Kansas and, and you know, talking about that all one day and, and getting into some of the Playboy Mansion stuff. I'm sure with your, with your old man, we'll do that. And, It'd be cool to really, uh, you know, just break down down your boxing career and, and and go through it. And I'm excited to do that with you as, as, as the show goes on. It's, it's gonna be really, yeah. Because really there's just, there's me so too. many cool stories, right?
0: Me too. Thanks, Manny. Yeah, I know I love I love reliving them uh, in my head. You know, I, I really um, boxing to me is one of those things that it it was so important to me, and I I love it so much. And and as I get older, I respect it more and more and more because I see uh, what kind of positive impact it could have on people. Um, and yeah, I love, I love reliving those stories. And, and, you know, there's been many times in my life too, when I walked away from the sport of boxing, where it's been really hard for me to think back on those stories because I miss them so much, right. Just like any, any professional athlete. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, you... we'll
1: bring the drive. We'll bring the drive back. We'll, we'll, get, we'll cherish them all and, and, and get them out there and tell them a little It'll be, it'll be fun.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: and, and, and so obviously one thing I wanted to chat about a little bit too, be, before we wrap up the show is obviously um, your, your new online workouts and stuff like that. Obviously uh, I'm sitting in my gym at home where, where I do them, but I guess a, a big part of the reason of how we got to this point doing the show is obviously, you know, we met through Alice mania, we became buddies, your, your old man, plays fantasy sports and stuff with me. But um when COVID happened, like a lot of us, you had to close the gym. And, and for those watching, wondering where Joel is, Joel's sitting um, in the bowling alley he, he owns there now um, in Tabor. We're, we're building a, a new gym next door where eventually we'll be in all those new workouts and, and everything from but obviously um, at the time when, when that happened you started doing some online training for people myself my gym was closed, so I started doing your online training here we are these um, two three years later I still do it all the time uh, I, I love the workouts, so I, I would love to hear a little bit about kind of just how that got started and, and, uh, and touch on what you offer for classes and that and I know I got a couple pictures from when we did the boxing class I'll, I'll uh, show some people there and, and just a a little bit of how that all worked out for you because obviously you train people um in person and i think we'll get into that a lot with different people who you do train and and stuff in the shows but also be um interesting to just hear a little bit about the online workouts because i think it's one of the best programs in the planet and uh, i know we're going to evolve it into something where people can actually come sit down like me and you are right now before the live workouts and stuff and and actually have it so that you can get to know your customers and 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 stuff like that so i'd I'd love to hear a little bit about those because um that's the reason I'm staying beautiful when I'm almost Ah. to be forty, So I appreciate it. Thanks
0: man. Oh yeah. It's uh, the online workouts. They, uh, they were an amazing addition to my, um, to my, to my platform. Uh, The way that they all started was uh, well, I'll I'll start with how I got into the gym industry. So um, in my 10th profile, I broke my hand um, and at the, at the time, I was doing the boxing class, uh, and I was training boxers just to to make a few bucks on the side. Justin was uh, was letting me uh, use the space, um, and I broke my hand. So then all of a sudden I couldn't do mitt work no more. I couldn't do training, so I had a cast on my hand, and I learned how to do one handed mitt work just to, to <laughs> feed myself and pay the bills. Right. Um, so yeah, same thing. People would walk into the gym, they'd be like, "Who is this muppet doing one handed mitts?" And I'm like, "Hey man, I gotta eat. Like I gotta figure this out." So. Uh, after that happened, Justin set, set me aside and he said, you know, I need someone that I could trust and someone who I'm close with to, to partner in the gym and uh, asked me if I would get in. And uh, I was 20, 21 at the time. And uh, I thought, you know what, this this is going to make sense. So I scraped together every penny that uh, that I could find uh, and I bought bought into a fortune gym. And uh, the way I look at it is that I was kind of paying for my education because that started me. Uh, in the gym industry um, so from that point on for the next uh, two three years in la i managed the gym um, you know we uh, we did classes we trained fighters lots of personal training uh, sharpened my teeth there uh, and then uh, in 2012 i was offered an opportunity to start pro performance athletic center which was my first gym in Tabor. Um, my business partner contacted me and he said you know, I got this opportunity, let's start this gym up. And I was, I was thinking about maybe moving home, wasn't quite positive. And uh, as it worked out, I came home to, uh, to start pro performance gym and um, biggest thing with pro performance gym. And the biggest thing that I'm all about in my gym is to have a, uh, a non-intimidating atmosphere. Um, You know, gyms can be so intimidating to walk into. Uh, It's one of those things that you, you just, you need, you need comfort. Um, so uh, I created the gym, uh, the people in Tabor and, and abroad supported it. Uh, you know, I'm so grateful to the town of Tabor for being, being always in my corner and supporting what I do, uh, especially when it comes to boxing. Um, so uh, we started doing promotions, uh, had the gym till 2020, ended up making a comeback, having three more professional fights and doing some big promotions here in Tabor and, and really just – uh, bringing the uh, culture of boxing back to uh, where it all started for me. Um, and then 2020 came, COVID hit, uh, and I shut down. Uh, and uh, at the moment, uh, I've still been in the process of rebuilding. I'm re- rebuilding Pro Performance Gym at the... Uh, right next building. door to where
1: you're sitting there. Or I uh, guess, yeah, next door is where your your boxing classes will be. And then you, you're bringing a whole new actual gym to Tabor again, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. Workout facility and everything.
0: Yeah, so our 24-hour key gym, Yep. it'll be at the Star. Um, the Star is uh, LDS Church, 27,000 square feet that was donated to the Star Society uh, to start a community center and a performing arts center. So we've been pushing forward. Uh, that should be done and uh, open for business come September, October. Um, and Bam Bam Boxing Academy just behind us here at the pin. Uh, this is going to be the boxing gym where I train the classes, train the boxers, and uh, kind of. Yeah, and, and who knows? By
1: the by, the time we put this out, it might already be it might already be up and running too, right? Um, if you're, I know you're about a month or month or so away now. So even by the time the show rolls out, that uh, might even be might even be existing over there. So that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna push forward and get that done quick. And uh, and yeah, I, I look forward to the future. But uh, but yeah, the online workouts uh, since 2020 um, have been my primary, uh, training. Uh, I train five mornings a week. I do every rep, uh, along the way. So, uh, each workout I do Where's every one with. Yeah. Um, and, nice. uh, why the- why I'm, I'm
1: always at home doing them. I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm always oh, and, uh, I'm getting, them I'm getting them done in here,
0: baby. That's awesome, man. No, the, the, and the bands, that's one thing that that is a huge part of my online training. Um, is a minibands class, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I call it the metabands. It's an hour-long class done all with minibands. And the way that I got into the online training is I was contacted by a couple from London who were uh, – they were locked down uh, in their apartment in London, and the only equipment that they could get was minibands from Amazon. Um, so they contacted me, asked me if i do an online program for them using the minibands. Uh, And I had never even, I'd never even touched a minivan prior to this, but uh, again, you know, I, I needed to survive and I needed to learn. Um, So I said, yep, for sure. So I got me a bag. Yeah, let's
1: go. Yep. And
0: I, and I started working with them and uh, it, it blew me away, the versatility of these things. I mean, it's like having an entire gym in your back pocket. You can take the gym anywhere you go. Well, I know for
1: me too, like, like when you at first said, like, you know, I'm I'm doing these bands workouts, I, I personally was always a person that just thought like, that's something that's maybe like easy. It's not a big deal. You're not going to gain anything from it. It's like a mobility thing, whatever. Right. But I'm like, well, fuck. Joel's doing them. Um, Let's give it a go here. And and of course that they're pretty awesome as I'm sure you'll you'll get into, but I know my first thought too was like, what's this going to be?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's quite a shock. It really is quite a shock. And I think that's why um, so many people bypass the simplicity of it. Um, You know, the, the simplicity of it, I think makes people think that obviously the results would be simple, but, uh, when you add these bands in at certain points during your workout and you superset them with weight training, I mean, the, the physique impact is unbelievable. So I started doing meta bands two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then I increased it to uh cross body fitness, uh, and on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays as well. Um, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday is my cross body training program. Um, that uses an aerobic stepper a single 25 pound weight and a set of five pound dumbbells and the motivation behind those classes um i have created an exercise program using a 25 pound plate and i used to do this when i was training for fights and i always thought to myself if a guy could come up with a program where all you did was just leverage that 25-pound plate, whether you're hanging your arm down and you're working your legs or you're holding it in the middle and you're working your biceps and your chest. I always felt that if a guy could make it so he can move that 25-pound weight for an hour, um, you the, the, the strength would be ridiculous. And because it's a single weight, it's slightly off balance, so it's harder to hold. So all the time you're working those stabilizer muscles, which are those smaller muscle groups that are keeping your big primary muscle groups engaged and in the right form. Um, So I started uh, doing the uh, Monday through Friday training program and uh, the results that started coming from this were just uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen. I mean, in all the gyms that I've run in person, I've never got results like I have online. And, and I think, Uh, There's a couple reasons for it. Reason number one is uh, we go five straight days per week. And the whole idea is, is to let those results compound, let that muscle breakdown compound all the way to Friday. In order to do that, though, you have to do it safely and you have to do it with a manageable weight. So you can't go into the gym and pump your bench press as heavy as you can five days in a row. It'll just never work. So the whole way that I've made the program is we start with our hardest lift on Monday. We start with our hardest resistance class uh, of the metabans on Tuesday. And then Wednesday we go into cardio. And by the time we hit Wednesday, all you need to do is just simply move through this workout. But because of the muscle breakdown on Monday and Tuesday, the results you see are still going to be as if you were going as hard as you possibly could through that workout. Same thing with Thursday, Friday. It's all about just safely compounding that muscle breakdown until we hit the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, in which case we take our rest days, maybe add a cardio day in, but we let our body heal. And then another thing that's really neat is as you hold that rhythm, you know, the first few weeks you do it, you train five days in a row, like you're like, I can't keep this up, there's no way. But your body will learn how to respond to that and learn how to recover over the weekend. And then those recovery periods are gonna happen naturally. They're just gonna, you're not gonna have to think about them and that's the way that you can out train your diet the way you can out train your diet is to teach your body the rhythms of recovery rest work recovery rest work and if you could teach your body those rhythms and you could stay active through it you could out train your diet Uh, i've i've trained people that i've gotten them to the point where they can you know, every once in a while, they can cheat. They can have a pizza. They can have a thing of wings. And it's not going to affect them at all because we got those, the metabolism running so fast. Um, well, and I know for myself,
1: like, I, I, I at first I thought you were, like, a bit insane. Like, this guy works out five days a week. Like, now now I'm, I'm doing all, all five days. They keep it up. Obviously, I'm not as insane as you. You're still training people a few hours a day, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, I'm just like, I, I do your workouts, right? I do my hour here and there a day. Um, I'm now like kind of watching what I eat, trying to diet really good, trying to like get, get my physique up, but I'm hanging out with you when we're filming like the boxing classes of the guys eating like double flamethrowers. I'm like, how, how do you look so much more ripped than me? But it's also cause you're working out like five hours a day. Right. So like getting through the program you've created the online one, um, it's awesome. And for those who haven't tried it right now, Joel's on Facebook, you're live five days a week, Monday to Friday. Um, they're separate courses. We're building out a website right now where um, we're gonna offer your customers all of it in one course. They're gonna be able to come in and either do the Monday, Wednesday, Friday or the Tuesday, Thursday. They're gonna have the freedom to do any and all of it, try it all, work through all five of them. So I, I think it's gonna be really cool when we can uh, you know, get that data bank s- sitting in there and have it so that your customers can either come join you live, which I do some mornings. And, and over time, like I said, we'll probably get something interactive like this going through our discord or things like that, where people can come hang out, talk to you, do things. And if you're not able to make the live, all those workouts are in a data bank right now, again, just on in your Facebook group, but we'll get that website all set up up and running and people will be able to come go to nftprofitness.com set up their membership and have access to that two day, three day meta bands course, obviously. And then obviously, we um filmed with our buddy uh, a friend of mine there connor with player post he came out and we also filmed a a boxing course i got a couple pictures from it actually um, probably one of the most insane things i ever seen in my life was uh you you going through that and and doing those workouts for a few days there it, it was pretty pretty intense yeah i'll, I'll show you a couple uh, pictures we got of you but uh, it, it was pretty wild watching you go through so, some of those workouts there um i would say it's the craziest i've ever seen someone work out in a few days like we went through filming that class over a couple of days and uh and getting your boxing course all set up it's a, it's a 14 class course where basically you work through like the basics of boxing all the way through it and uh, i don't know if you want to tell a little bit about that course but like look at you you're an absolute 100% ripped
0: oh thanks man yeah no, i know uh, i filming that course was what a challenge i mean uh so we filmed uh Seven classes one day, seven classes the other, 14 all together. Uh, So, well, we ended up having to go three
1: days because we did just it it was too death for you, right? Like, uh,
0: oh man, yeah, man.
1: No human could have got through, like, what you did do. I was like, oh my, I feel like a pile. I'm just sitting here drinking coffee because I have to be silent in the camera room, just being an absolute, like, I just felt like the laziest human on earth. I'm like going and doing push ups in the corner in between because I'm like, this dude's about this dude just did like eight hours of insane workout. Like,
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was that was tough, man. That was that was really tough. But you know, it's something that like that things like that have always come like really natural to me, which is why like I was drawn to boxing and I needed to do I needed to express myself that way because um, I I have always had that ability to just. Uh, yeah, I just you know, I I turn my mind off and I just can can work through most things. Um, there's been a couple times in my life where physically I couldn't I couldn't continue on with something. Well, and that what about the kids? Yeah, yeah, they always came out and said hi to me out in the gym. Um, but uh, but yeah, no the the Bam Bam Boxing Academy that we filmed uh, with Player Post. Unbelievable, uh, You know, I the, the best thing is I got to put it together, starting with the basics, working your way through this program, but then also leaving opportunities to intensify it so you could keep growing and keep working through um, the boxing mechanics that we work on, the mentality stuff that we work on. Um, I really feel like any fighter, whether uh, you're a competitor, whether you're just a, uh, a leisure boxer, or, or whether you're a you're a high level amateur or high level pro, you know lots of lots of things that I touch on were things that I learned in the professional game, especially when it comes to mentality and the relaxation behind it. That's one of the most amazing things of boxing too. Is it's one of those things that if when you could find your flow and you could find your rhythm through it, um, it, it it's easy to improve. It's easy to to see those improvements and physically, um, you know, you train like a fighter and you look like one. And, and, you know, most times when you see a fighter, uh, they are, uh, pretty ripped, pretty lean. Uh, and if they're not, they're not doing something right. Because-
1: well, you're, you're, you're an absolute specimen. Like I know there's no, there's no doubt. People see how jacked you are. The, the, the results, are, the results, sorry, I, I said made up a word there, but the results are like undeniable, right? Like I'm always sitting here going like, how do I get that? Like, what's going on over here, right? Like, do, yeah, I, no, eat flame? You're, do I eat the flamethrower, or what do we do, right?
0: No, you're on the right track, Tyrone. Yeah, just it's, and that's one thing too that I really love about the online is when I'm training somebody in person, I can't take part and do that workout with every person. You know, I might do one workout a day with one of my clients, um, but uh, it's 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 easy to to teach people how to pace themselves the right way to see the right results um, and get rhythmic with your breathing, get rhythmic with your reps. It's easy to do that as an example rather than as a telling somebody to do that. Well, and um, I think
1: once you get the the boxing gym open next door again, too, you, you might have some people that are there with you um, while you're recording the lives, which will be cool. And then obviously um, it, it'll just be uh, you know really interesting to, to see where it all evolves and, and 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 how uh, those classes are taken in. I think we were thinking about maybe even having it on Fridays where people can come uh, join those live classes and actually if they want, like come up and and work out with you. Like, cause I know myself, like just going in and doing a workout, like it's cool, right? Like there are some days where I just do my own like little half hour arm or leg workout, but like it's so easy to lose motivation. And and, and I'm sure a lot of people are, are the same as me where I like having that little video where, you're there like, okay, you could go it. Cause I, cause I guess there's that comparison too, right? Like, even though you are like a pro and like probably 10 times more jacked than me, I'm still like, if this guy could do it, like I got to get through it. Right. And you get that extra little spark and and just, even, even if I'm not there for the live, just having that spark, that motivation, I, I love doing them, but I think it'll be fun to try to maybe see how we can evolve that. Friday, I think we're um, we'll start doing it. Where maybe myself, I'll be the first uh, person to to get up there and see how I keep up with you in a live workout. But just getting some of your customers involved in that too, and and making it fun for them, right? And and allowing them the option to come do that with you, have some laughs when the recording's over, sit down, have a cup of coffee, like like we do, and. and and have some fun with it so I think that'll be really cool um, where this all goes but I, I know we've been chatting for a while obviously really cool to uh, do, do this first episode with you I'm honored to, to get to co-host it with you and um, hear a little bit about you know how you came through to, to be where you are in your career and, and you know where uh, things are going now with your your workouts and stuff I'm sure over a bunch of more shows we'll really dive into all that I, I think we got um, some of your guests will be uh, some of the people you're training. We'll, we'll get her along over time. We'll, we'll have some other people in the show, but I think it's going to be really fun to uh, dive into a lot of stuff and, and I uh, just thank you for, for helping change my life a little bit, motivate me and, and keeping me working out and, and just, you know, uh believing in me to do this project and show it stuff with you too. So I, I'm glad to be here, Joel, and I'm excited to kind of try to help showcase the world. Um, what you do is as we try to evolve into the, the next phase of our, our lives here in our I guess, mid thirties or the other half of it.
0: Absolutely, man. Now I appreciate that Tyrone and thank you for, uh, for being here as well, man. It's, uh, it's been an, uh, an awesome ride. And, uh, and again, you know, when, when the ringside banter, I, I really love the idea of this show because uh, you could touch on things that have been, that have been learned in the boxing ring that people can connect with and they could, they could experience themselves as you're talking about it because um because it is it, it's uh it's a it's a place in the world where looking from the outside looking in you think to yourself there's nothing to be learned in there these guys are just beating themselves <laughs> to a pulp and but but there's but so the much animals. yeah there's so much more to the game um that that is remains unseen, you know, the things that are going on in, in the athlete's head and the things that are going on in the trainer's head and the crowd's head. The psyche uh, aspect of boxing is just, uh, it's amazing. And uh, I don't think you'll ever plumb the depths of it. I think there's there's always ways uh, that you can learn more, talk more, uh, and experience more through the sport. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I uh, I am so... So looking forward to where the Bam Bam Boxing Academy, NFT Pro Fitness, and uh, Bush League Media takes this because uh, we're on the verge of uh, some big things, and it all starts right here, right now. Yeah, and, and obviously, I think with
1: with obviously your skills, your training, you, you're the next generation of, of boxers. You're going to be able to bring up. If, in today's world, I think you have to be a little bit media involved so if we could create that platform not only for your boxers to learn and grow as humans and become better fighters but also create something like this where we can help them grow network help them in their careers or, or where they might go that's going to be a, a really cool aspect but obviously I'm really excited to to be along for for episode one of ringside banter um i don't know if you have anything you want to say to to close us out any any words of wisdom or anything like that, I'll, uh, I'll play us out. This will be our first outro, but I'm uh, so stoked to, to have done this with you, Joel. And, and I look forward to uh, where we can take it from here, my
0: friend. 100%, man. No, and, uh, you know, just want to tell everybody out there that, uh, you know, thanks for being on here with us. Um, if, uh, if you're looking to improve yourself, improve your fitness levels, uh, improve it all through boxing, guys, through the NFT Pro Fitness Club and the Meta Bands program. Um, we'd love to have you join us online, and like I say, all, it's as easy as just turning on the computer. If you show up, I'm there doing every rep again. i uh, love to see you. Let's get it. Home on a shotgun and a blade sharp
1: tongue, and it's accepted to drink, cause it's sin. I tell you my first and my last name, but you'll probably think I'm undercover, Walk well, out around the table if you must know the story of a man they call Bad Motherfucker. Oh. Oh. Mississippi, but they know my name. Hot and
0: ran through all of Georgia down to New Orleans. Tore up and drunk and pissed riding high up.